Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Starley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. We certainly do Daiwa reels. Don't forget, you can uh, listen to We Fish ASA everywhere you get your podcast, but don't forget our website, wefishasa.com. Shout out to our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nearman, at uh, Berserk Productions down in Land Lakes, Florida. On today's show, we feature Ryan Teach, the brand manager from St. Croix, filling in for our friend Dan Johnson. Louis Minetti, he just fished the Bassmaster Classic. He was a qualifier through the college ranks. Super job, finished in the top half. Uh, incredible young man, Louis Minetti. And I'm going to visit with Anthony Gagliardi. He just won a huge MLF tournament on Lake Murray in South Carolina. Look forward to being able to hook up with Anthony Gagliardi. But first, let me switch it over to Mr. Dave Kranz. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Well, Dan's out fishing, so he's got somebody filling in for him, and it's not really a fill-in. I think uh, we ought to have Ryan on uh, more often. Ryan teaches the brand manager. We're going to talk a little bit about product development and uh, maybe about where to purchase your tackle. Welcome to the program, Ryan. Hey Dave, thanks for the official uh, the official welcome. I appreciate it. You know, uh, I don't think I don't think I could ever replace Dan. You know, but I will definitely fill in when Dan uh, needs somebody to help him. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, Dan does a great job for you guys, and always uh, sure. we always learn a lot from each other, and we learn from uh, uh, our listeners and questions that we we get later on and things like that. But uh, uh, brand manager, tell us a little bit about what you, what you do for Saint Croix. So my official title is brand manager. You're right, Dave. But actually, I'm a professional collaborator. That's what it boils down to. I have a <laughs> great opportunity of working internally with um, accounting, engineering, marketing, sales. Uh, I mean, all the way down to our maintenance team. Uh, that's that my job touches every one of them. What I do on a day-to-day basis is I look at our current products, um, make plans for the future anywhere from you know, 12 months all the way out to five years. I mean, we really are working about five years out on some projects. And then I develop um, with the team um, behind the scenes in our marketing department, uh, the assets and education that support our products. So uh, one of the major pillars of our brand at St. Croix is helping anglers catch more fish. We hear all the time, I'm sure you've heard from Dan multiple times, that we exist to give every angler the upper hand on the water. And Dave, what that boils down to is that at St. Croix, we all fish, we all enjoy catching fish, and we want other anglers to enjoy uh, catching fish as well because that's going to you know, it's gonna build and give them good experiences on the water. They're going to come back, and they're going you know, to gonna, they're gonna enjoy it just as much as we do. Absolutely, and I bet a lot of listeners are surprised to hear five years out. So some of the items that we may see at ICAST this year, the, the thoughts started five years ago, you know, or less, but but. Sometimes it takes that long to get things into production after an idea is, is uh, had. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, let's put it this way. The, um, the, the easy part is coming up with the idea, 
Um, the hard part is validating that idea, make sure it makes sense from a manufacturing capability, make sure it's going to relate and actually benefit anglers, and then uh, following it through. Internally, you'll hear me say uh, sometimes some projects are like pushing a rope, and some sometimes those projects are the most rewarding, you know, at, at the end. Um, you know, one of the things I want anglers to know um, about Sanker product development is we don't do anything for flash and flare. That's actually one of the guidelines of our product development process that is held from ownership to the CEO all the way down. When we do something, we do it because it's going to benefit the angler, not for um, the flash and flare cosmetic side of things. I mean, we build some really good looking stuff, don't get me wrong, but we build purpose-built product to uh, to get the job done on the water. So everybody fishes at Croy, everybody loves a fish, catching fish wants the anglers to catch more fish. Do many of the ideas come from some of your own personal trips and needs? You know, um, I I will say that um, product development is, is never on an island. So personal, yeah, I have some ideas on my side. Um, our sales team definitely brings a lot of ideas because they're in the field, either a, a representative or an actual staff person that is a salesperson through St. Croix. Um, but where I get a lot of good stuff from is just talking to people, you know, retailers like yourself across the country of what their anglers need in their specific areas. I will tell you that the jig and wrap, rip and wrap rods that were released in 2022 with Icon and then followed up in 2023 with Legend Tournament, those were those were driven by retailers. Those were retailers saying, hey, listen, I don't have a rod, but I feel comfortable in my shop selling to an individual that wants to fish a jig and wrap or a rip and wrap. And by that point in time, jig and wrap and rip and wraps were very established. Uh, it's just that the rods hadn't caught up at that point in time to be able to really work with, uh, you know, on the jig and wrap, so to say, working with really small hooks and keeping a fish pin boat side or on the rip and wrap, um, making sure when you raise that rod tip that you can feel that, that rip and wrap kick in right away. So you don't have to lift this thing and think three feet off the ground before you can start to feel it, feel it vibrate. That's just a classic example. The other one is our seven two medium, heavy, moderate, fast rods. And those were, uh, re- you know, retailers and anglers, coming to us and saying, hey, we think that there's an opportunity to build a better DT6 rod. And we sat down on the table and, and listened and drew it out and engineering built prototypes. And I think, you know, most of the rods you see before they ever get to our testing teams, they've got 10 to 15 revisions at least in engineering before we even fish them for the first time. And then you may see, you know, three, four, five revisions after that before we even get it right. But it's just a matter of keeping your ears open, listening for opportunities and listening for where we can, uh, we can earn a spot in somebody's rod locker and help you fish a bait better. Yeah, and so many rods are technique specifics or close to it where there's a few things you can do, but not anymore where it's this rod and you just cut off base and keep changing all day. That that has uh, developed over the last uh, decade, especially. Uh, but the, the benefit of going to a retailer is that most of the retailers fish themselves. Some of them, well, like myself, I'm a pro staffer. I also fished Major League Fishing Toyota Series. I fish local tournaments, but we know and have the knowledge to put the customer into the right product you got it yeah i mean if you're uh, if you're a person starting out i like to tell the story that i i didn't come from a fishing family so i had to learn all this stuff kind of on the fly as i grew up and in the last 38 years i've made a lot of a lot of questionable decisions buying fishing tackle that got me to where i'm at but i sure could have uh, expedited that process saved a whole lot of money if i had just you know knocked on the door of a retailer and said hey listen i need some help 
point me in the direction I need to go. Yep, and there's definitely an advantage to that. As you, uh, we talked uh, before we went on air that uh, there's so many places to get tackled by just staying at your computer and staying at home, but there is a benefit to talking to somebody that has used it and a benefit to being able to put it in your hands and see if it feels right or looks right to you. Yeah, get out. I mean, I get a chance to... Uh, you know, up here in northern Wisconsin, we have a number of really good tackle shops that are very uh, multi-species centric. Because you have people that are focused on muskie, a walleye. You've got the building bass market that's up here. You also have the angler that comes in and says, hey, I'm on vacation. I just want to go out and get, uh, you know, get, stretch a string. Uh, you know, I've got uh, John Carlson just to the south here with the historic Ross's Sports Shop and Phillips. And I've got some great examples of friends in the fishing industry that enjoy, you know, going in and, and paging through and, and going through and, and going on a search, a scavenger hunt for those really, you know, those pre-Rapala wiggle warts or something that's sitting dusty on the back of a shelf. <laughs> uh, you know, myself and I know another friend of mine in the fishing industry, we collect, I collect hats from every tackle shop that I go to. I'm fortunate enough that I get to go to a number of them working with St. Croix. But another friend of mine in the fishing industry, he collects sweatshirts from every tackle shop that he goes to because, you know, you might not find something, you know, that, Again, like a pre-repel wig award or like a eyes straight ahead original mega bass or something like that. You get the experience of going in. The, the tackle shops always have their own unique smells, and it gets you uh, gets you in the mindset and gets you excited for the season ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and that is a fun part of being able to. Uh, uh, shop for tackle uh, that way rather than uh, doing it online. But the uh, and the stories you get to hear not only from the people that are the owners and the employees of these stores, but I have in mine. I'm in Northern Illinois so many times. I'll get groups of guys talking and and ladies talking about their experiences of what's going on. And and some of these kids they got eyes the biggest saucers because there is uh, a lot of good things to be learned from other anglers. Oh, you can say that again. I remember being a young kid and walking into Eagle Sports in Eagle River up here, and uh, George Langley owned that shop at the time, and uh, he used to have this, this sign, you know, uh, you had to be 16 or with a parent to go in the back of the store, and I remember thinking, man, a lot. I can't wait till I'm 16 so I can go in the back of George Langley's musky shop, and what he was trying to do is he was trying to protect you know, young kids like me from going back there with all the musky baits and getting a hook in ourselves, but I remember <laughs> that was like a that was like a, a threshold of my life right there when I could go in the back of George Lange's musky shop and actually see all of the baits instead of just stuff in the front counter. Yeah, a rite of passage to to to, a, to to touch the open hooks. I love it. That that's uh, pretty awesome. Any trips of your own plan this year that you're looking forward to? Yeah, you know I'm heading down. Uh, I'll be representing St. Croix down here at the uh, the Bassmaster Open down in Toledo Bend here. Middle of this week, I'll fly out and go down. But then uh, by the time I get back, hopefully we have made that complete transition up here so we can start, um, you know, some final validation uh, testing on some stuff that we released that I cast. And then uh, right after that, I will head down um, about the middle of May and spend a fair amount of time down pools 8, 9, 10, and then um, head over kind of towards that Madison Green Bay Bay area and, you know, scratch my own itch. It's been building since uh, we've kind of got this transition period when I can't be out on the ice and I can't be on the boat. Yeah, and we all look forward to that. Ryan, uh, truly appreciate you on the program today, and uh, great job, and uh, hopefully you'll have fun down in Toledo, Ben. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. If not, I'm going to thaw out from up here. There you go. Thanks for being on. 
That was Ryan Teach, brand manager of St. Croix. As we heard, he's also jack of all trades uh, and works in production development. A lot of different hats he's wearing. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The Wheatfish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say my guests on this segment have a passion for the outdoors. My next guest was on a few weeks before he was going to fish the Bassmaster Classic. He was the college qualifier. He is Louis Minetti. Welcome back, Louis, to the program. What's going on, Dave? It's, quite, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me back. Oh, you know what? I, I got to go down and cover the classic uh, for uh, Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine and also my Dave Kranz Living the Wild Outdoors YouTube channel. I got to do uh, more interviews than most people would think with you. I did the media day with you. Um, had a feeling you were going to do well. You were my first interview. And... Uh, we talked about how many people were around you and looking at those guys. And I, I think uh, you didn't fish against them. You fished against the bass because you finished 23rd. You fished the day three. Is it real yet to you? It is, man. It's, it's been, uh, man, it's been amazing. Um, coming off of that, that day two night, you know, Gussie had such a, such a great lead. Um, you know, nobody saw him faltering. And even with the faltering that he did, I still don't know. Uh, I, I would have had to catch a pretty gigantic bag to catch up to him. Um, so I was honestly, after day two, knowing I had made it into day three, I was in just such a great mood. That was, you know, like you said, it, it, you know, it's it's tough for the college guy to kind of get in and fish against those guys and, and kind of defy the odds in a way. And for me to make it to day three, man, that was kind of my win for the week. It was really special and um, to be able to celebrate it with my family and friends, it was just an amazing experience. And man, I'm I'm more motivated than ever to get back there now. I'm I'm super pumped for the rest of this year. And you should be. Uh, when you look at that list of the 55 anglers that were there, and when you look at the names, the 32 guys that you beat, 
is that even real to you? <laughs> it's uh, it's getting real. I'll tell you that. It's um, man, I, it's just so cool. You know, coming from a year ago, if you'd have told me that I'd, I'd have done that, I, I'd have told you you're crazy, and I probably would have never. Uh, I'd, I'd have thought you were a crazy person, and you know, here here we are now, and and that's all reality. And man, now it's uh, God, it just kind of wiring in my head to tell myself that you know. I did that. I, I deserve to be here and I deserve to make it back. Um, just kind of, that's kind of my mindset the rest of the year is just do everything I can to get back there and kind of remind myself that I did do that. And, uh, you know, I think it'll help me kind of keep a, a positive, confident mindset going into the rest of the year. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. You are trying to make it back. You're fishing all nine opens to qualify for the elites, which would, uh, uh, allow you to qualify to get back to the next Bassmaster Classic after you're in the elites. Yep. You've done one already. You got another one coming up on Toledo Bend. Have the schedule that's for the uh, the opens? Uh, have you fished many of those places? Oh man, I, I fished a couple. Uh, you know, actually, this one Toledo just kind of coming up. Um, I was there once some years ago for a college event, so I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with it. Um, different time of the year, but. That's the case with most of the places that I have been to. Um, you know, I've been to Harris Chain. We're going there in, in October. I've been to the St. Lawrence a bunch of times. Um, so I've got some experience. There so maybe a couple other in, in there. Uh, the Kerr Lake in Virginia, I've been there. Um, so I've got some experience, not, not a plethora. And honestly, that's kind of how I like it. Um, I, I like you know, kind of rolling up to a new place, not having any preconceived notions and just kind of fishing the conditions. I feel like that's kind of when I fish my best. Um, you know, my, my style kind of fits that the best. So um, I enjoy going to these places for the first time. I did, you know, there's definitely an advantage to going back to a place that you've been before. Um, but at the same time, I, I do like looking at a place with a kind of fresh set of eyes and getting comfortable on a lake. And, you know, with, with four or five days of practice on these lakes, this year that we're, we're allotted. I mean, that's for me, at least, I feel like that's plenty of time for me to kind of get my feet under me, get comfortable with the place and hopefully do well. Yeah. Yeah. Are there, uh, uh, time frames in your schedule that you're going to fit in any other tournaments? Or are you just going to do the nine opens and, and concentrate on those? Man, you know, that's, a, that's an awesome question. I, huh, I've thought about it some, you know, I know guys in the past that have won this deal and that have fished, you know, all the Opens have jumped in, maybe a, a division of the Toyota Series or maybe a division of the BFLs. And, um, man, I, I may just jump into the occasional local tournament here and there and, and really kind of focus my efforts on the Opens. You know, as much as I, I love to fish, man, I, I would fish every tournament, you know, I, I possibly could. Um, this is my first year of running, you know, an eight, nine tournament schedule, really 10 if you include the Classic. Yeah. Um, and, man, I just kind of want to get used to that um, from a uh, equipment standpoint, you know, a travel standpoint, um, just kind of getting used to fishing a full slate like that. I feel like if I just focus on the one trail for now, it's probably the best thing for me. Um, but, man, I, I would certainly in the future, maybe next year, if I'm either back in the Opens or maybe even the Elites, you know, I, I would love to fish another trail just to kind of fill in the gaps and, you know, keep the rust off. Absolutely. Now, uh, they were catching them uh, several different ways. Uh, 
down in Knoxville. And uh, did you find, I was in the press conference for the, the top, the Super Six, and did you find fish as shallow as most of those guys did? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was, I was honestly kind of expecting them to move further back in the creeks that I was fishing. I was kind of halfway up Teleco making a pretty long run. Um, and man, I, I just, I'd expected those bigger fish to keep moving back. And it almost seems like the bigger fish that I caught and seen in practice, um, moved away or maybe got locked jaw. I'm not quite sure what happened, but yes, I was, I was catching them pretty shallow, whether it be on, you know, small rock bluff walls or kind of flat points, stuff like that. Um, just kind of rotating through the, a jig and a chatterbait, man, really just fishing, you know, two confidence baits of mine. The, the bite was just so tough that I really just locked, you know, those two baits. Um, I, I was fishing a biz based jig that we're working on coming out with uh, Strike King, Tungsten, Thunder Cricket. And I was just going down the banks, man, really just beating these areas that I knew fish were living in. It was, man, I, I couldn't believe just how tough it was to get a bite, but I kind of kept my head down and, and soaked, soaked in baits both two days and ended up with a limit the first two. And day three, I had the opportunities to have another small limit and just didn't get the fish in the boat. But, I, man, those bigger fish that some of them guys were catching, I just, I don't know what happened. I was catching them in practice, and it seemed like in the tournament, they just went away from me. Hmm. Now, you had um, a couple sponsors before you went uh, into this game from from college? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been working here with Biz Bates for, man, over two years now and, and they're they're 100% behind me not only you know from from a bait perspective but support man they're they're, they're great guys and they support me fully and then the all of the the Bassmaster College Series sponsors have kind of stepped on and, and helped me out it's been been incredible you know working with Strike King, Luz, Humminbird, Minkota, Nitro um, man the list goes on and on but it's it's been really cool to kind of get that help from them guys from Biz and you know, uh, a couple others, but it, it's just been awesome kind of getting my feet in the industry and learning how to deal with all that. It's, it's really been an eye-opening and a, a really helpful experience, I feel like, for, for my career moving forward. Excellent. Well, you seem to do a good job for them, and uh, I know the, this is actually the fifth interview I've got to do with you, and you, you handle yourself well, you're professional, and you're well-spoken, and uh, definitely seem very knowledgeable on the fishing. Have more people been calling you to talk to you about future sponsorships? Oh, man, not, not quite yet. I, you know, the, the thing with this college, a couple people certainly have, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of starting to um, other companies and stuff kind of see that I'm under that college series umbrella for the time being and have kind of, you know, poked their head in and, and just kind of let me know they're there. And I appreciate that so much. It's it's really cool for, you know, companies to recognize me as, you know, someone they'd love to potentially work with. And I think that's, that's probably something maybe middle of the year towards the end of the year that I'll start having conversations about. I don't, I'm not sure if, you know, some of these companies I'm currently working with through the college series are going to continue to support or um, maybe they want to go in a different direction. But I, I certainly love working with them. And, you know, we'll, we'll just have to kind of see how the year unfolds. You know, I, I, I definitely plan on doing this for a long while. At least I certainly hope to. And, you know, I, I'd love to kind of carry some of the best companies in the business along with me. Absolutely. Is there one place that's on the open schedule that you're really looking forward to? 
I I have to answer that with St. Lawrence. I, <laughs> it may be it may be a bit of a cop out. You know, I I've spent geez maybe seven eight weeks there throughout the summers um, just growing up, and even now I still try and go back every year. Um, and it's it's heaven on earth to me. It's my favorite place, and you know I just I can't wait to go up there and mess around with those big smallmouth. They're they're just my favorite fish to catch, and that's my favorite place to do it on. It it is a beautiful place, and it is a. I, I look forward to going there when I get to go there on uh, Toyota series, and it it is always a blast, always beautiful, and uh, definitely uh, got to be a bucket list place for anybody that's never gone to the St. Lawrence to fish it. And uh, Lewis, we're gonna we're gonna keep a close eye on you, and I'm sure we're gonna watch what happens in the opens. And I have a feeling we'll be talking to you in the future if that's all right with you. I, I certainly hope so, Dave. I enjoy our conversation. And, uh, yeah, I think if I'm, if I'm back on here, it means I did something right. So I hope to be talking to you soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Lewis. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Take that, care. No problem. That was Lewis Minetti. I am Dave Kranz. This segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle, to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you are an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Got a guy out. He's a big-time winner. I had the pleasure of meeting him very recently uh, at the at the Red Crest Tournament. I was amazed at how poised he is and how uh, well he expresses himself. And I was looking forward to having him on the show. I said, hey, win something, and uh, we'll get you on right away. And, man, you must have taken that as a challenge because uh, Anthony Gagliardi just a couple of weeks later goes out and wins a huge event on Lake Murray. Got a hundred thousand dollar check in his pocket and a 
big, big trophy on his mantle. Please welcome Anthony Gagliardi. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Do, do they always call you Anthony? No Tony? No. I, I'll answer to Tony. Like, I've heard it enough that I'll answer to it, but most everybody does call me Anthony. All right, Eddie, you, you can call me whatever you want since you you, you granted me that win <laughs> by that challenge. So you're feel free to call me whatever. Hey, you know, I've told I've told people it, it was funny. Uh, I had asked uh, Dakota Ebert to do the show, uh, do a show the week before, and he he was tied up. He said, "I just can't do it. Can we do it after?" I said, "Okay." So I had uh, Brian Thrift on, and uh, when I saw Dakota after the uh, cut. At Redcrest, I showed him my phone. I says, here's your message telling me that you couldn't do it. And here's a message from Thrift saying he could do it. Does that change your mind? He goes, oh, man, you're, you're, you're killing me with that. I said, we, right. we, we are good luck for these guys. You know, so uh, maybe we'll take a little bit of maybe we'll take a little bit of credit for that. But but that that was fun. Well, Go ahead. I was going to tell you, just put my number on speed dial. You're welcome to <laughs> I love it. I love it. Do you have any nicknames? Gags. That's the one I hear the most. Um, I, I figured as gags. much. Gagliardi, Gagliano. Yeah. Anybody with a name like that gets called <laughs> gets called Gags. But no, nothing. That's right. And, and, and I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna beat this to death. But you are probably the best Italian bass tournament fisherman in the United States. I'd like to say I'm the best Italian podcast fishing podcast. Host in the United States, so we're we're a good combo there. But I I don't want to beat that to death. But they, they don't call you the Godfather or anything like that to to, to ride that Italian <laughs> no. thing. Yeah, not that I, not that I'm aware. At least not to my face, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and let's rule out all the nicknames that they call you that we can't say on the air. Or we'll get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, you have, your segment's not long enough, probably. Uh, there's there's a few of those, but uh, you know I think that that is amazing. We, and we talked about being Italian. You were probably tired of me uh, when, when we met at Redcrest talking about that. But uh, uh, amazingly, uh, you have uh, you have a relative that's actually, was actually a, uh, a famous opera singer, right? And that was uh, I do. That's something to be known for, rather than rather than being a gangster. You know, I think that's wonderful. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. My grandfather, he lived in. He lived in New York City. Um, he was a he was a voice teacher, and he did he he sang um, he sang opera and he performed Carnegie Hall a number of years uh, with within the um, the acting community up there. He was he was pretty well known as far as um, being a voice teacher and some some of the students that he had that went on to become really really famous actors. You know, over the course of their careers, so that was always it was always a good conversation starter and. And it was always a lot of fun when when we got to visit him because he was just he was short, just a little old Italian guy with his huge voice, and and he loved nothing more than to sing in the most inappropriate times ever and in the <laughs> in most inappropriate places ever. So we 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 grew used to that as little kids. Like you were gonna you were gonna get embarrassed when you went somewhere to eat, or but people loved it to death, and it, it would always end up with the. Standing ovation, whether you're in McDonald's or the mall or whatever. So oh, we is, had a lot of fun with them for that sure. That's absolutely incredible. You know, I guess I would be out of order for me to say, "Hey, Anthony, would you give us a little tune here?" 
I didn't. I didn't inherit much of his singing ability. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. <laughs> okay, let, let, let's let's skip the music because both of us would. Boy, the, the the internet would crash uh, crash completely from the sound of people uh, hanging up or logging off because uh, they don't want to be offended by that anymore. Let's let's talk fishing instead. You 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 sir are uh, absolutely incredible. We'll start out with this huge win that you had at the uh, Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour event, a stage three event uh, presented by Mercury on Lake Murray in South Carolina. We'll talk about your win in that. But first of all, you, you have a career a career win total of over $2.4 million. You got $2.5 million in winning. And, and I'd like to say that you are the least well-known $2.5 million man in fishing. Dude, <laughs> there are not that many people who have won the kind of money you have made. Right. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm okay with being low-key, though. I'm not, I don't mind that at all. Oh, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, you won the Forest Wood Cup back in 2012. You've been an angler of the year before. Uh, you've had uh, five major wins, 30 top 10s. You're damn good. What what makes what makes Anthony Gagliardi so good at fishing for bass? Well, um, man, I just I've just always I've always loved it. Um, when I was growing up, that's all I ever wanted to do. All that I really did do. Um, so, in all honesty, Lake Murray, uh, Lake Murray is mostly responsible for my success um, as a professional angler, just because I. I spent so many hours and so many days when I was young, just out in the boat by myself, um, just teaching myself, just learning, you know, spending time on the water. And, and back then when I was, when I was younger, Lake Murray, um, was even more, it was even more diverse than it is now, as far as the type of fishery, um, you had, you know, two, it's got two river systems, you know, that have varying degrees of water clarity, um, a lower end of the lake that was always super gin clear. Uh, we had we had submergent vegetation, so there was all all different kinds of ways to catch fish on that lake. And so it was really just a it was a perfect place for me to learn and and just learn different techniques and, and different styles. And it it just prepared me for when I did make that decision to you know start trying to fish professionally. Just the knowledge and, and the experiences from that one lake in particular, just it really helped propel me um, onto the tournament scene, and 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 was I was just able to compete, you know, on lakes that I've never been to before, in large part just due to the amount of time and, and experience that I had on that lake. So that's really that's that was really the key. Um, when I first started, sight fishing was a, a really big strength of mine, and sight fishing on Lake Murray. That, that was probably one of the best lakes in the southeast to learn that because the water was so clear. Um, there's so many fish in there. So I used to just go out every day in the spring and just, you know, learn how to catch spawning fish and, and, and post-spawn fish and just, just cruising fish. I always just loved to, to see what I was fishing for. And, you know, my, my ability to, to sight fish is really kind of what got me started in the professional ranks. I was able to, you know, cut some checks early on in my career. Uh, in some sight fishing events and it just it Lake Murray was just the, it was one of the best you know learning grounds that I that I could have hoped to have been you know living close by to so I have to give a lot of credit to the lake itself well that's an excellent explanation I I, I think you explained that really really well but don't don't sell yourself short you know 
and anybody that comes away from it doesn't pay attention, you know, he, he's not crediting Lake Murray for the win. He's crediting Lake Murray for his education because when you look at his career, and I said he's had over uh, almost $2.5 million in, in winning, you, you've won about $700,000 on events on Lake Murray. But right. that leaves a million and three quarters that didn't come on Lake Murray. So it's not like that's the only place you can fish. And I don't like it when people get pigeonholed uh, into saying that. It's like, you know, uh, the, the northern guys, uh, you know, oh, yeah, they're going to do real well the end of the year when you're going up to St. Clair and that. No, those guys do well on all the lakes. All you guys can do mm-hmm. well everywhere you go. So it, it's it's not being the home lake that does it for you, although it was really good. Did, did your eyes light up when you saw that the uh, uh, Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour was going to make a stop on Lake Murray this year? Honestly, no. Um, it, and honestly, it was almost um, almost the opposite, as crazy as that sounds. Um, any other time of the year, like I would have felt really good about my chances of, in, in whatever home lake advantage I might would have. But being that that tournament was in the spring, I really felt like my advantages were like they, they weren't that great because the fish are spawning that time of year. They're up shallow and, and that usually takes any kind of home lake advantage out of play just because most of these guys are, are great at fishing shallow. And when the fish are up spawning, everything they're all accessible um there's there's really no secret spots i mean there's no you know it's not like there's a you know a bunch of deep brush piles that nobody knows about that i do that are going to be you know in place it's just more about shoreline cover and the guys that are good at fishing shallow can can go to any lake in the country when it's springtime and compete so i really you know i was really worried about um I was actually really worried about just doing well like that. I, that was my biggest concern when, when that one came out on the schedule. I was like, well, I know everybody's going to think that I'm going to have a huge advantage and expect me to catch them. But honestly, I just want to have a decent tournament and I, and I'll probably be happy with that. Now, I, once, once we got into the practice and I got my two days of practice, then obviously I felt better about what I had figured out and what I had found. And, and my expectations were certainly set higher at that point, but, but leading up to it. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, yeah, I, I hate to say that I, it's not that I didn't want to see it on the schedule. Cause anytime you can fish close to the house and you can sleep in your own bed, you, we welcome that with open arms. Um, but there's also other things that come into play too, by having that tournament on, on that lake. I'm not able to talk to any of my friends for however many months. Once we learn the schedule, I can't talk about fishing with anybody. So right, right. there's also that to think about. And so that makes it hard just to have normal conversation with, with friends and, and people around the lake. And so I have to kind of just separate myself and distance myself from all that, which that's not, I mean, I, I miss it. And and once this tournament was over, I was just, I'm glad I can, now I can go back and talk to guys like, Hey man, like now y'all can tell me what was going on back in February when all those big bags were getting weighed in. So you, you miss out on just normal conversation that you, you would have with your bass fishing friends by having that lake on your home lake. But when it's all said and done, man, like I'm glad they came here and I'll, <laughs> I'll gladly deal with not being able to talk about fishing for a few months and, and exchange for coming away, you know, with the wind from there. But, and, 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 but when it was announced on the schedule, those are kind of all the things that are going through your mind. But 
Um, incredibly, we look at it and, uh, you know, everybody, oh, home, you know, home lake advantage. And it often works the opposite way where you talk about a guy being on the home lake and then it doesn't pan out. Uh, you, you perform a lot less than the expectations mm-hmm. are. And this year, I had mentioned uh, Thrift before, uh, Thrift went into Redcrest on home water. Now you win this one. You're changing the trend. Uh, home water is the uh, the home water angler's friend this year. So maybe it's a reversal right. of the trend. Well, I mean, I honestly, I think it was, I think we kind of started reversing it before, before now. Um, even going back, you know, several years, it, it seems that more and more, you're seeing guys that do well on their home water and, and they're used to, we used to always call it the home lake jinx. Yeah. You know, that's what, right. you know, that's what people would, that was a real thing. Um, but you see, it just seems like more and more you, now you see local guys doing better and it's still hard, you know, and, and I, I couldn't really put my finger on if you ask me why do I think, you know, home lake guys are starting to do better. I honestly don't, I wouldn't know what to tell you um, because it is hard. You know, you get, there's just, there's a lot of outside pressure that you feel just from people in the community or just people within the bass fishing community. They, they expect you to do well because you're from there and you, you expect yourself to do well because you feel like you should. I mean, you, you, knowing that you're from that lake and you have history there, you put undue pressure on yourself just for that. And, and sometimes I think that pressure is what gets to people and, and it just, it can, it can lead to somebody panicking. You know, a little too soon. Maybe they abandon a technique a little too soon just because they start to panic. And 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 you do know multiple ways and multiple parts of the lake that are good. And so you have a lot of things going through your head that you think you can be doing to catch fish. And so sometimes you tend to fish a little bit faster, maybe, and you just you don't you don't slow down. You know, somebody that comes to the lake that doesn't know much and they they get a little tidbit of information from their practice. Well, they just they just go all in on that and and they just kind of roll with it and. And it turns out it can be something really good. Whereas a local, um, you have all these different, you know, ideas of how to catch a fish. And so if something starts to slow down for just a little bit, man, those gears start turning. You're like, well, maybe I need to move. Maybe I need to go to this creek over here because I remember how I caught them there a couple of years ago. Or maybe I need to try this technique because I think I can catch them doing that. And so sometimes I think you just get into a, you get just like a snowball effect where you start fishing too fast and you start changing up too much. Maybe you start moving around too much. So those are all the things that local anglers have to deal with. And you just, you kind of just have to try to try, at least in my opinion, I've just tried to look at these like when I get, when I have a tournament like Murray, just look at it from an outsider. Like, let me just approach this. Like I don't know the lake, you know, let's try to find something new this week or something a little bit different than, than what I think I should be doing. And, and I think that's helped me. Um, it definitely helped me in this one Great. because I ended up catching my fish in this one, doing something, you know, a tactic that I'd not really ever done before that time of year. So I, I think it was definitely key this week for me to enter this tournament with an open mind and and just try to think outside the box a little bit. Great, great answer. Let me take a quick break so our sponsors can get in the word. I'd like to talk to you about sponsors when we come back. This is Steve Starley. We fish ASA. On with a champion, Anthony Gagliardi. He just won the big Lake Murray event, Major League Fishing's Bass Pro Tour. And we will be right back after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. 
Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley here with Anthony Gagliardi, uh, winner of $100,000 and a shiny big trophy. They are big, they are heavy, aren't they? It is heavy. It, was, it shocked me. It's the first time I've gotten to lift the Bass Pro Tour trophy, and it was a little heavier than I expected. I got a funny feeling it's not going to be the last Bass Pro Tour trophy that, that you lift. Uh, got a, just a gut feeling about that. You're talking about being being local, that, that you're fishing on your home lake, sleeping in your own bed at night. Everybody on that lake, and I'm not talking the professional, I'm talking the, the, the resident anglers, all know who you are. Did you draw a big crowd on the water, and was it a good thing or a bad thing with the people knowing you and following you? You know, honestly, I did not. Um, yeah, I had I had very few follow me, and 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 like I think it's great. Uh, I, I wouldn't have minded, you know, people being there around me. But I think that what helped me in that regard was we had a couple, we had several big tournaments that were happening that weekend one one was on friday which was the final day of our competition and then another big tournament was on saturday so a lot of the guys that probably would be out there following people around they were actually out on the lake themselves um practicing and and even fishing tournament on friday so i think that helped kind of keep the spectator traffic at bay which is never it's never been an issue i've always i mean i've always had good good experiences with, with spectators there everybody's always maintained you know plenty of distance and all that stuff and sometimes it's kind of fun to have people out there i wouldn't mind having a little group a crowd of people out there when i caught that eight pounder it would have been a little bit of a i think there had been a little bit of cheer and, and some applause from the gallery so that, that would have been a good time to have some people with you but yeah you, you, um, you, 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 uh, you caught an eight pounder it was the biggest fish of the tournament and you got it on the last day when you absolutely smashed it uh were you surprised to bring in an eight Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd, it's been a long time since I caught an eight pound fish out there. Um, there's a, there's a, they're in there, but you don't really see that many of them, especially that time of year. Most of your big fish like that will come in the winter time or 
early spring, but uh, I, I had not, I didn't anticipate catching one like that just simply because due to the fact that throughout practice and the first, you know, the first four days of the event for me, uh, or first three days, I had not caught very many five pounders. I was catching a lot of fish in that three and a half to, right. you know, four and a quarter pound range. And yeah. that's kind of just what I felt like most of the fish that I was fishing for, they were, they were in that weight class. And to catch that eight pounder, man, that was a, it was a shock. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have, it's not that I can't believe that I didn't caught it. Cause obviously I knew I always had a chance to catch a big fish doing that. Cause I was fishing around where some fish were feeding and some fish that were staging to come in to spawn. So obviously you got an opportunity to catch a, a big one at any time, but you know, fishing a drop shot like that, um, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more finesse than some, I mean, even though I wasn't really using finesse gear, but you know, you just, you don't expect to catch an eight pounder very often when you throw it when you make a cast with a drop shot. So it surprised me a little bit, but man, it was a, it was a, I welcomed it and it was a, it was a much needed surprise at the time. And it was at a part of the day when, um, it had gotten a little bit slower for everybody else. And when I caught that big fish, I took a pretty, you know, decent size lead. It just, man, it, it kind of, I think it probably impacted everybody else in a lot of ways just yeah, because it was a tight, it was a tight race up until that point. Then all of a sudden now I'm four pounds ahead. And when you're four pounds ahead of guys that have, you know, 18 to 20 pound bags already, that's a, that's a big mound to climb. And so I, I knew how important the fish was. I didn't feel by any means that that was the winning fish. Um, I still felt like I needed to get rid of a couple I had. I knew I had two, two fifteens, I think, or at least one, two fifteen that I could get rid of. And, uh, when I did call that one shortly after that, that's when I started, that's when I started kind of doing some math in my head and like knew deep down, like, man, you're in a good spot right now. Like they really, really have to catch, you know, several really good fish or another really, really big fish in order to have a shot to overtake you. So why, I started, why, you know, I started thinking about it at that time. Why'd you switch the drop shotting? Well, I mean, that's, that's really what I started out with. You know, I started that event out. Um, the first fish that I caught in the whole tournament was was on the drop shot. And I did it. I used it in practice a little bit just because those herring fish, you know, that everybody else was targeting, they were getting pressured. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of them up there. You know, that, that herring spawn had not really, it wasn't in full swing yet. And, but yet you still had everybody out there attempting to fish for them. So, those fish were seeing a lot of pressure. Um, and so I just, I, I decided just to kind of take a more of a finesse approach and back out a little bit just to see, um, if I couldn't, you know, if I couldn't get some of those fish to bite that maybe weren't really in an active feeding mode. And sure enough, I mean, the very first few places that I did that on, I, I caught a good fish in practice. And so I was keyed on pretty early, even in practice that that was going to be a technique that I could use, you know, to, to get some bites if I needed to. And, and it just, I played around with some other things. I sight fished a little bit and I did catch two good ones on, on one of the rounds, maybe the knockout round sight fishing, but what were you, I knew, uh, I knew that. Go ahead. That? You, you knew what? I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I, just, I knew that that was going to be a way I could always fall back on that to get some bites when I needed to. Did, uh, uh, what were you using uh, as a plastic on your drop shot rig? It was, it was just, it was a six inch or seven inch morning dawn, um, I, it might have been a robo worm. I don't even know for sure what it was. I had them in a box, but it was just a straight tail, straight tail finesse worm. Morning gone, nothing. How common is it to see lakes that have herring as a forage? 
in the south it's fairly common okay you know, there a lot of the south carolina lakes you got lake hartwell um, parks hill lake russell uh, pretty much all of the um, Savannah River lakes there in South Carolina have it. I don't know about um, Greenwood is the lake above Lake Murray. I'm sure that there might be some in there, but right, Lake been... Murray is one of the more predominant ones. Uh, lake Lanier, Lake Lanier is another you know sure. big time herring lake that people know about. But I'll have to learn more about that. You talk about sight fishing. Uh, does the uh, effectiveness of sight fishing negate the effectiveness of the Forward-facing sonar, I have to ask that. Everybody talks about forward-facing sonar. I would be remiss mm -hmm. to not bring it up. Right. Uh, but uh, did that, uh, did the, was a forward-facing sonar less effective because you're able to sight fish? I probably so. You know, anytime that, I mean, we've gotten so accustomed to seeing guys utilize their forward-facing anytime the fish are off the bank. I mean, it's, it's always going to be a key player. So I think definitely not as many people were were relying on that this week or last week just because there was so many fish up there where they could visually see them with their eyes. So I think most people would agree that you would rather look at one with your eyes than you would on the you know on your Garmin live scope. But um, I just stay. I, I was just, I made a conscious effort to stay out deeper and and target some of this fish that hadn't quite come in yet. I definitely was. I mean, it, it was definitely a, a forward-facing sonar event for me. Excellent. Um, not necessarily in a sense where I was, you know, I didn't always single out and throw at an individual fish. Sometimes I was throwing a, a group of fish, which I knew to be stripers, and, and I would pick off a bass, you know, from a group of stripers, or, huh. you know, I, I might be looking at a, a whatever. I was just kind of scanning around. If I saw something, I would throw at it. If I saw a fish, I would throw at it. If I saw a rock, I would throw at it. I was just, you know, I was just making as many casts to potential, you know, targets that, that that I could out there in that eight to twelve foot depth range, and I just think that I was I was keying in on a on a group of fish that most people were either fishing over top of or they weren't even fishing near at all to begin with. So I just had a lot of I had a lot of area to fish all to myself, so I was able to I was able to save fish for the next save areas for the next day, and and on that final day probably. Two thirds of the day, I spent fishing in water that I had not fished yet in the tournament, and, and that ended up being a huge difference too. I just had I had more water to run than most people. Most of all those other guys were using the same water over and over, yeah, and it's yeah. just hard. It's just hard to keep fishing that way sure. over a five day event and and still you know improve on your wage days. So that was an advantage I had just not having to share water with people that I could kind of. I could save a lot for the next day, which made a big difference. Anthony Gagliardi, this guy is good. Great, great interview, man. Uh, uh, super answers, and I think that if people pay attention or go back and listen again, they'll pick up some stuff that'll make them better fishermen, even if they only go out on the weekend. Uh, you know, you're not going to be a professional, but at any level, I think a lot of the things that you talked about will make Someone a better fisherman, no matter what level they are fishing at. And I appreciate your honesty and your answers. I want to congratulate you on this big win at Lake Murray. I want to congratulate you on your career. Two and a half million dollars, man. This guy is really cool. And uh, I want to wish you the best uh, for the season. I don't think your your good season has stopped. I think you've just started uh, the, the 2023 doing really well. And I want to thank you for being on it. You're listening to my... I've enjoyed it. This is my new Paisan, Anthony Gagliardi. For <laughs> those of you Paisan, is friend in Italian. I hope you're my Paisan. 
And I hope to see Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I hope to see you again real soon, Anthony Gagliardi. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care. Anthony Gagliardi. Boy, he's a good guy, great fisherman. Happy to have him on. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. Thanks to Ryan Teach from St. Croix for being with us today. Louis Minetti, college fisherman that fished in the Bassmaster Classic. Man, is that living the dream or what? And I just finished up with Anthony Gagliardi. Really liked that guy. Good fisherman. And uh, he's a great ambassador for Major League Fishing. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makes of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. We certainly do. Iowa Reels. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. You can mail us there. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. We appreciate all of the correspondence. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.